1: a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa demattis Lapore and Ann Baldwin.
2: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. As you just heard, I'm one of the hosts of the program, Ian Baldwin, and Lisa Dematis Lapore is also with us today, and she is the president and CEO of The Connection. And if you're a regular listener to this program, I'm sure that you're well aware of all the different situations that both myself and and Lisa had been going through with our elderly parents. And um, mine kind of came to a head this past week and I'll get into some of the details of that. But my father, Cecil Baldwin, um, 86 years old, he passed. And you know, it's sad and it's been kind of tragic And it, but there's been so many blessings in the problem. And that's why today, Lisa, I thought we should talk to some of the folks who not only helped my dad transition, but have really, like, made such a huge difference in, you know, a caregiver daughter's perspective of really taking care of their father and seeing them to the end. So that's why I wanted to talk, yeah, to the folks at Hospice of of McLean, yes.
3: I wanted to um, stress my deep condolences to you, Anne, and I, of course, have lost my biological father and my my stepdad, um, both died of cancer, and we both had hospice care. So, I have nothing but the highest regard for um, folks that you know work at hosp- different hospice centers and the amazing work that they do to help you, but most of your loved one um, transition um, during a difficult time with uh, dignity and love and grace. And um, so, I want to uh, welcome our guests to the show today and say thank you so much for being
0: here. Thank you. So let's start a pleasure.
2: Let's start with you, Sarah. Sarah Safransky is an RNBSN director of McLean Home Care and Hospice. You're based out of Simsbury, and you know, I remember when things were getting pretty intense and I had reached out to you folks and you just jumped right into action. And it's interesting because I've worked with McLean for years you know, from a public relations standpoint, and I've had some exposure and some information about hospice, but until you've lived it, you don't really understand exactly what it is. So I think we should start like from the ground up. If you could, Sarah, just explain to us, what is hospice care?
0: Sure. Uh, Hospice is a a terrific program that is actually um, medical care that is available in order to promote quality of life and comfort and symptom management for people and their families who are living with terminal illness. Um, Medicare, Medicaid, and most insurances all have um, a hospice benefit. And it is truly, it is not a place um, where has been a home hospice benefit um, in this country since the late 80s, early 90s, and it uh, allows for a philosophy of care utilizing a team of nurses and social workers and spiritual counselors, as well as uh, nurses' aides and our medical directors and volunteers. On all kinds of um, art therapy, music therapy, and uh, pet therapy. So, really designed to focus on what is important to that person. Find out who that person is, what's important to them, what are their needs, and how can we um, improve the situation, both in terms of uh, medical needs and always staying one step ahead and planning, making sure we have medications and equipment and um, a plan in place because it's, it's a scary time. It's an extremely scary, scary time for uh, folks who may or may not have had an acute illness or they may have been been um, in sort of a traditional medical care um, with many, many different doctor's appointments or potentially hospitals. And then to um, consider hospice, so we we sort of explain to them and demystify it. We are uh, work very hard to um, allow them to kind of come to grips with what what is the right thing for them. We also provide um, a transitional program for those that are not quite eligible or quite ready for hospice. So it it really is a wonderful. Um, a, a wonderful program that many more people nowadays are able to take advantage of, uh, whether they reside in a private home, in an apartment, in assisted living, a nursing home, um, or in actually even the homeless shelter or you know, many, many different locations, they can receive hospice care.
2: Right. Well, you know, Lisa, you and I talk about this a lot. And, you know, it's it, when you get to this point that I just got to last week, you know, I, I felt that I complained a lot about, you know, he was on 10 different medications. And because of insurance, they were all being filled at a different time. And I felt like a full time pharmacist and, you part-time chef. And, you know, it really is consuming, especially, I know you're an only child, but I'm the oldest of four and I'm the only one near my father. So I took on that responsibility and you know how consuming that is. And then after you lose that person, the void that's there from not being so consumed is really interesting.
4: Sure. It's uh, very difficult.
3: I, um, I, I could not Personally, could we? My family, my mother and I, could have not um, possibly gotten through um, the uh, terminal um, cancer for both of my both of my dads without hospice care. And um, yeah, I don't know what to say except you. you know, it's it, you folks do such a wonderful job at really bringing a family um, together at a difficult time and providing such dignity and love um, for the family member that, um, is so ill. And, um, I I guess I am just, I'd like to know how do you, as a staff team, what do you do to, um, support your staff also, um, through this work to, you know, keep them, um, just full of so much love and um, care and make sure that they're not burning out because i would I would think that this is a such a difficult this, these are difficult positions to have there's got to be a high high burnout uh, burnout
4: rate well if i can huh. if I can take that on, I would like to say one of the things um, that keeps us going are the families like you guys. Um, mm-hmm. Understand we are, we are there to support you, but the bulk of the work when someone's at home dying really is family and friends. And that's mm-hmm. also one of the great benefits of hospice. Mm-hmm. And it's a privilege um, and a pleasure for us to help families with that journey. It really yeah. is. And I think we go home at the end of the day feeling really good about being able to do that.
2: Well, and I I found that, you know, because you're walking into how many situations all the time, you know, at McLean and with the McLean Hospice Care Program. And, you know, you alluded to earlier, um, Sarah, that it really is a team effort. And at every stage of this thing, Lisa, I worked with either, you know, the initial part of the team and then two other peoples from the team. And then and, and what Sarah said, too, is they meet that patient you know where they're at my dad did not want to sit and chat with somebody my dad didn't want certain things and they you know at mclean really respected that but how i got to where i was too i just want to share a little bit of insight on this is that he was taken because one of the hospice nurses came to visit him and his blood pressure was very low so they took him by ambulance to the hospital and the doctor called and said all right we're going to transfer him to icu and, uh, you know, hook him up to all these things and do, see what, see what's going on. And the blessing here, too, is that my father and I had that conversation. And he did not want that. So I said, I, I appreciate that, but I prefer that you bring him home. We'll get the services to wrap around us. And, and that's what he wants. And that's what I was able to, to give him. And I'm just so grateful for that. We should also mention that another big piece of this process in my life was uh, Cassandra Lockie Seaman. She's an RN and a hospice primary care nurse at McLean. And Lisa, I got to tell you something, she's got the longest eyelashes, beautiful eyelashes that I've ever seen. <laughs> but, but, but Cassandra, you were just such an important factor and player and everything in this particular situation. I just, I personally want to thank you, but maybe you could talk a little bit about You know, how you figure out who does what when it comes to your team and how you kind of, you know, divvy things up, if you will.
4: Well, I I appreciate um, the thanks, but I do have to say hospice is always a team approach. Um, We're a multidisciplinary team, and as you pointed out in the beginning, it really is about what does an individual and their family want and need. And some people may need all of our services, and some may just need minimal intervention. Um, so hospice is really a philosophy as well. It's, it's n- not just a medical service. It includes nurses, uh, probably a medical director and a doctor at some point, social workers, spiritual care practitioners, home, home health aides who are our eyes and ears and hands and do the best work for us. Um, and bereavement counseling because Whatever is happening to our patient is not happening to them in isolation. It happens to families and friends and um, all of those people who are there to care for our patient themselves. Um, So, again, we offer a huge um, group of people, and our job is to kind of assess and ask what each patient and family needs to try and put in place the services that they specifically require. Um, it might be a chaplain and some equipment in the home. Maybe it's a hospital bed and a, some oxygen and a chaplain who can do the best work with that client. But every situation is individual. So it takes a little time and effort to get to know someone and a family to figure out what their needs are, and then we just respond with what services they might benefit from.
0: I, I do have to just jump in to say that um it is important that hospices have folks who have that passion for end of life care and have the um the skills to be able to navigate at times very challenging um situations and and um so that is Cassandra has a lot of experience in this area and As do our other team members, and that really um, uh, does allow them to support each other and to feel confident and competent in um, supporting the patient and their their caregivers.
2: And Lisa, and you, all of you ladies, I think one of the things that I learned from this experience is know when to call for help. And I also learned because I had had other care providers, you have a choice. You have a choice who you want to use for a lot of various services, including when it comes to palliative or hospice care. And I didn't realize that. I thought I had to keep working with the system, you know, through the hospital system. But when I was told that McLean was an option, it, it was just huge burden taken off of my shoulders. So I think it's important for listeners out there and all of you folks to think about when you have that conversation with that loved one i mean even if they're not even close to being at this point in life that took so much pressure off because i knew what my dad wanted and i was going to make it happen for him and it did so you know these are tough conversations to have and then when he had to sign off on the hospice paperwork which he did because his mind was there till the end i mean i was worried that he was going to go hospice care that must mean i've only got A short time to live. But ladies, that's not necessarily true. Hospice doesn't mean immediate death or does it?
0: No, no, absolutely not. It is a a program that is designed for those who have a prognosis of six months or less. But as we all know, our bodies are very complex um, environments. And um, it is a Six, initially a 90-day period and then another 90-day period and then unlimited 60-day periods if someone still, um, the patient is still meeting those qualifications where there's evidence of of a decline Um, and that is up to our medical director and our team to evaluate. There are absolutely people who do graduate, so to speak, from hospice that... um, or may choose um, to pursue a more aggressive and traditional care at some point. It is um, absolutely not a, uh, some people say, that's a death sentence. That is uh, far from the case. In fact, with many, many um, folks and their diagnoses, hospice care actually allows for a longer and much
4: more um, healthy life and much more quality of life. Um, Accessing hospice generally happens um, at a point when someone is very involved with the medical system. But um, what's important is what you mentioned, the conversation that you had with your father before all this happened, that you knew what he wanted when things got to this point, point. Um, and the more people we have who have that conversation with their families and loved ones before they get really sick, it's really helpful to, you know, children of adult parents to know that their parent maybe doesn't want to die in a hospital or doesn't want to spend the end of the last six months of their life in a nursing facility or receiving chemotherapy. Um, and so those, those conversations are really helpful long before anyone gets sick Um, And then, as you said, knowing that you have a choice, knowing that you have a choice to continue to receive aggressive treatment for an illness that may or may not get better. Um, We treat people with terminal illnesses, but many, many of our patients on hospice have chronic illnesses that they've lived with for years and years and years that are not going to get better. So um, it's not a a one-time deal where they've gotten very sick and they're not going to get better, but maybe they've been ill for a long, long time and they're tired and they don't want to spend all their time in the hospital anymore. And it's important for everyone to know they have a they they have choices at that point.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Lisa, you know, especially now during COVID, right, with your mother and not being able to see her for months, and I just I just think about. You know, if, had I said, yeah, just take him to the hospital, I couldn't live with myself if I wasn't with him when he went. So that was also, it wasn't for him, that's what his decision was, but it was also for me because so many people today especially are passing alone, you know, on a FaceTime call with a family member and no one to, I mean, nurses and doctors do their best, but I couldn't even imagine had that been the situation. Well,
3: I, I have to say that I was with both of my um, dads when they both passed um, hospice care and, um, you know, I, I I was, I wanted to be there um, and I, uh, my mother and I wouldn't take that back for anything. Um, And, and I think the care and the dignity that goes on um, for, you know, the your person, your loved one, who's that sick. Um, It does take Mm -hmm. the burden off for sure. And um, you're getting support at the same time. I can't imagine. um, I I do feel that as difficult as it was, I'm so grateful for, for hospice and your philosophy and what you do. Um, And I did have those conversations with, with my, um, both of my dads. Um, And there is so much to be said about um, seeing someone suffer in a hospital and hooked up and, and all of that as opposed to um, what the philosophy is um, for hospice. So I, I just couldn't be more grateful, really, um, for what you folks do and how you've helped so many thousands and thousands of families um, work through such a difficult time.
2: You know, and one of the components that you just touched on there, Lisa, um, was really the, the, kind of the pain management piece. You know, I remember after I started the hospice um, procedure with McLean and it went very quickly and it wasn't a lot of paperwork and all this other stuff because you're so distracted and you're so upset. But the pain management piece, when I got that care kit in the mail on a Monday morning and he was starting to get pain, abdominal pain, and they had showed me how to administer the morphine, how to give him the anti-anxiety meds. Um, And that's what kept him comfortable and coherent, I believe, right up until the end. Real funny, quick story I want to share with you guys, Cassandra and Sarah and Lisa, you might, this is really um, interesting. So it was the day that he passed in the evening and I had the priest come in to read him his last rites. So he's up there reading him his last rites, and my, we're in the middle of it, and my father goes, okay, I'm all set, Father, thank you very much. And he says to him, he goes, I'm not quite done yet. Can you give me a couple more minutes? <laughs> uh, and, and you you know, you know, especially Cassandra, he was quite the character, was he not? He was. He was. He was but he kept that sense of humor and, you know, um, that To me, it was the dignity, you know, a very proud man who who just wanted to, you know, he wouldn't even talk to his kids over Zoom without putting his teeth in and made sure his hair was combed. I mean, that's the kind of guy he was, and that's exactly what he did do. What is it, um, would you say, Sarah, is your best advice for people out there who might be listening to this conversation? Or, you know, uh, I'll ask you the same question, Cassandra, you know, when's the time to start Thinking about this kind of stuff.
0: Well, it, it, early, as early as possible, as you said, knowing what's important to folk, uh, to your loved ones, and uh, making sure that your family, if you're, um, if you have a serious illness, that you are talking about how you're coping with it and being honest with your doctor, asking questions whenever possible. That would be um,
2: my piece of the advice. And also do your research, right? Like, Lisa, you you know at The Connection, people can go on your website and see what kind of programs you have. Because when when this stuff can hit you, as we all know, there's no promise for tomorrow. So do your homework, kind of have something in mind and, and start that relationship because... Like I say in my business, the time to think about this is not when all hell's breaking loose.
0: Oh, and we're how we, we're always happy to talk to people when they call in, just to say this is the situation, and we can help them um, whether it's on the phone or in person or starting services. We can help guide them what questions to ask their doctor and what um, what to talk to their families about,
2: and then answer those questions and. You know, like buying a home. You know, maybe you need to check out a couple of different options. What's going to work for you as far as accommodations, as far as affordability? And I think it's also important to say, too, that one of your stipulations for you providing hospice care for my father was it that someone had to be there with him 24-7, right?
0: Well, only because of his level of, of illness, but that's not always true when someone's on hospice. It really depends. It depends on um, on the the individual circumstance, but but someone does need to be um, to understand that they're going. You know, who's what's the plan when we do need um, more care?
2: Right. And I want to mention the website. Um, you've got a great website with lots of information, um, and there's also a continuum of care. This conversation is about hospice care. But there's also other areas of care that McLean offers, um, both in-house and now even more virtually. So the website is McLeanCare, that's M-C-L-E-A-N, care.org, McLeanCare.org. Because it really is about, like you said, not only the individual who's going through it, and getting them you know, comfortably through that process, but also for the loved ones to know, like I feel in my heart, I did the right thing. I did right by my dad in the end because we had that conversation, and if I had to write a script, I don't think I could have done it any better. It was perfect. It was perfect. It's sad, but it's perfect. You were,
0: yeah.
4: yeah, you did an amazing job, really. You really did. And it's sad except that He got to choose every part of his life right up until he died, and there's nothing sad about that.
2: Um, I want to thank you again, Cassandra Lockie Seaman, um, for everything that you did. It was a short time. I think we only had your services for about a week but it's a week I couldn't have done without you. And Sarah, you're running a uh, great program over there. Sarah Safransky uh, the director of McLean Home Care and Hospice and your entire caregiver team. I mean, even was it Judy, the, the little blonde that was so bubbly and, uh, she, you know, she was just absolutely fantastic. She gave my dad a full body massage, you know, with nice lotion and You know, it was like he was, you know, getting a little spa treatment in the end. And I just can't thank you all enough. I really, really can't. It was a pleasure and a privilege.
3: I just wanted to, I just want to say again, um, to our listeners that, you know, and I have both been through this with, um, with our, with our parents, our dads, and hospice is such a, uh, uh, wonderful alternative when you're saying whether it's palliative care or, or you know, terminal care, um, please, please really think about it. Um, and again, I can't say enough for all of you on the show today. And thank you so much for that, everything that you do day in and day out. You truly are angels and many families I know applaud all your efforts.
2: And I uh, want to, those are kind words. I want to mention one more thing. So, Lisa, when I got my care kit for my father in that was this homemade, I think it was crocheted blanket that came in this kit. These volunteers make these little blankets with a special prayer for the hospice patient in them. It was just, it it was unbelievable. It's just the whole thing was just such a great experience, really was. So that's a nice touch that McLean also brings to their hospice care program all right well we are out of time i could talk to you guys forever this was this was a good conversation and i hope people got something out of it at least something to think about so as usual we want to thank all of you our listeners for tuning in to this edition of the connection right here on wtic news talk 1080.